Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Spa Strong Podcast. My name is Royal Ellis. I'm Melissa Ellis. And today we will be talking about health and why it is so important for your life, for your business, for your mind, Mm -hmm. for everything. Absolutely. So in the last few episodes, we've been talking about the mission of Spa Strong, which is empowering estheticians through boundaries, balance, health, and safety. We've had an episode diving into boundaries. We've had one where we talk about balance. So in this one, we want to focus on health. Yeah. So why does health matter? What is that? Well, health just matters so you breathe. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't die. So you don't die. Um, But, I mean, health is very important. And I think people get so, like, caught up in, like, physical health. But mental is, like, the most, to me, the most detrimental because yeah. I can get stronger. I can I can rev- like get back from a sickness or you know, for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, get back from a sickness, eat better, get abs, do all this stuff and run. But if your like if your mental health isn't right, it can deteriorate you. Oh, and absolutely. mess you up, mess up your business, mess up your relationships, mess up just your life, you know. Yeah. I mean, it can affect everything from your reasoning skills to your mood, your motivation. I mean, if you don't have a strong mental health and if you're not making that a priority in your life, then not only will it affect your relationship with yourself, but it will affect your relationship with your family, your relationship with your coworkers, your clients, with your own business. So having a good mental health is really, really important. Yeah. So. Do you have any ideas on... Like maintaining mental health? Maintaining mental health, yes. So as a police officer, I've seen, I see mental health daily, like mental health issues daily mm-hmm. and like the suspects I deal with. And um, yeah, so my biggest thing is if you're suffering and you can't get it right, like you can't figure out why your mind's thinking this way or whatever, you need somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Like the biggest, and it doesn't have to be a therapist. It could be your friend. It could be your family members. It could be me. Uh, you can DM us and ask me questions about mental health and um, just the, what I've learned in my professional field. Mm-hmm. Um, my my biggest thing right now is outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, constantly motivating yourself and like trying your best for like good thoughts. You know, the the hospitals will just put you on drugs and send you away somewhere and send you back to your house. But I think there's a lot more that can go into it if you just try to take care of yourself and have good, like, people just in your life, a good circle, good motivation, good um, conversations. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, just real quick, I think that if you need to go to the hospital and be put on medication, like... That's fine, and yes. that's and do what you need to do. Obviously, yeah. I, yeah, obviously, do what you need to do. You know, your life is precious, but I mean, like, that's just always the go-to, and mm-hmm. I don't think people, sometimes people don't take, don't even try other steps. Mm-hmm. They just go straight to taking something, and I understand if that works for you, no disrespect, it's all good, like, mm-hmm. do you. But I'm just thinking about for other people who aren't sure what they should do. Sometimes you don't got to go all the way in. Just try certain things first. Yeah. I love what you said about having an outlet because having somebody that you can talk to about how you're feeling is so important. And I think that there is 
I mean, there's starting to be less of a taboo about having a counselor or going to therapy. Like in some ways, I feel like it's almost becoming trendy to have a therapist, but for good reason, because if you don't have a sounding board or someone to help you sort through your feelings or your thoughts or emotions, and it's something that you need, then that can cause problems in your life. Like having a place, I mean, I, for example, I always say that I'm a verbal processor and I can think about things in my head over and over and over and over and just be spinning my wheels and not getting anywhere. But if I have somebody that I can talk to about whatever it is on my mind, I don't even necessarily need them to give me advice or help me fix it. Just being there for me to let me talk about it. I usually sort it out on my own, just saying the things out loud and hearing myself say it. It helps me connect the dots. So Royal, unfortunately, has the awesome role of being my little counselor therapist, so to speak. And sometimes he'll be like, why are you even talking to me if you don't need my help with it? I'm like, no, because you are helping me by not fixing it. You're helping me by just letting me talk about it because then I can fix it. (laughs) So having somebody, I mean, whether it is an actual therapist who you can go to or a friend, a parent a spouse or significant other, just somebody that you can trust to help you sort through whatever it is that is on your mind or however it is that you're feeling that isn't going to label you or shame you or try to fix it or tell you how to live your life. Absolutely. And I'm a, excuse me, I'm a firm believer that everybody needs therapy. I just, I'm a firm believer of that and not necessarily got to go sign up or whatever, but everybody needs an outlet. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Mm -hmm. Like at my department, we have officers that are um, qualified for um, a peer, peer. Like a peer um, support. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Peer support. Okay. We have officers for peer support and we can, we can go and talk to them about anything. And it's just, just life, marriage problems, like, you know, just problems with your kids, just anything. And it's all confidential. It's all confidential. So they don't report it back to the sergeant? No, not like no, not unless it's detrimental to your life. Okay, yeah. Like that, come on. Yeah, know? well, yeah, that Absolutely. makes sense, obviously. But, um, but everything else is just confidential between you and that one person. But I'm a firm believer that everybody needs an outlet. Mm-hmm. Like, especially, like, for example, estheticians going through with going and having these sucky clients <laughs> that they can't stand and that go in having an attitude or not listening to their policies, having f- sun exposure and then going into their treatment, mm-hmm. like knowing for a fact <laughs> that you told them these things. And if they just bottle it up or you guys just bottle it up and then it transfers over into like outside of the studio, small, mm-hmm. like just into your personal relationships and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, everybody needs an outlet. Yeah. I think that, We've all either experienced or seen somebody we know experience this where things at work are really bothersome or upsetting and we don't do anything to deal with it. So then we start taking it out on our other relationships. Absolutely. Start taking it out on our friends or family or our significant other or even ourselves because there's something going on that is unrelated, but we're overwhelmed by it. We don't know how to fix it. We don't know how to feel good about it or whatever it might be. So I think whenever something is wrong, being having a strong emotional literacy 
or mental literacy where you can stop and identify, okay, this is what I'm actually feeling. And this is the reason why, because, you know, they say, for example, anger is a secondary emotion. Mm-hmm. It's secondary because it's masking something else. It could be masking humiliation. It could be masking betrayal. It could be masking shame. Like there are so many other things. And so if you start coming home from work and you feel like you're angry at everything or angry at your life or angry at your dog or, you know, whatever it might be, maybe taking a step back and thinking, okay, anger is a secondary emotion. So what am I really feeling? And being able to pinpoint it and then take the time okay, I'm feeling humiliation. Why is that? And then go back and think about what could have happened or what you've experienced and realize, oh, I feel humiliation because my boss called me out about X, Y, and Z in front of my coworkers or in front of a client. And I didn't deal with it in that moment. I didn't stand up for myself or I didn't ever address it with my box. And now that's just like bottled up inside of me. And now I'm letting it out through anger. Or whatever it might be. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think I've ever really... Have I brought work home with me, really? I mean, you'll, officer? you'll come home and tell me stories. Right. But I never really came home angry from work and I took it out on you. No. And I feel really grateful for that because I hear that's something that a lot of officers police officers are, do. Yeah, luckily, like in our patrol car, our partner is a lot of our outlet right there. Mm-hmm. Like, Because we spend 90% of the day driving around, pulling over people arresting people and everything like that. And so I've gotten caught out in roll call for something or a mistake I made with maybe like an arrest sheet that I didn't write something. And yeah, it pisses me off. They call me out in front of everybody, all 40 other officers and say mm-hmm. something. And every dog has their day. You know, it's 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 going to happen. Life. Yeah, it's going to happen to you in your career. Like you just, you get in trouble, get written up for little stuff or, you know, nothing illegal, but like just little messes up here and there on paperwork and all that stuff. And yeah, it pisses me off. So what I do when I get in my car with my partner, my partner said, becomes your therapist. Becomes my therapist, <laughs> and I let it out. Shout out to Sanchez <laughs> <laughs> and Becerra, but he decides not to listen to me half the time. He just lets me vent. Um, but yeah, so we all need an outlet, man. Yeah, but one thing that I admire about Royal is he is so good about identifying how he's feeling right away and acting on it right not acting on anger but like handling it as soon as possible he is not one to let things bottle up inside of him and let it fester and then explode if you say something that he disagrees with or if you cross one of his boundaries or whatever it might be he will let you know right away and he isn't rude about it but he's firm and he's up front and i feel like that's something that i've learned so much from him Because I used to always kind of feel like, oh, if somebody says something that I disagree with, then I'm just going to keep it to myself and not say anything because I don't want to embarrass them in front of whoever we're with. Or if they call me out, then maybe there's a reason for that and I did something and maybe I deserved it somehow or whatever. And so I would just not address it with the individual and then let it fester because I didn't agree with whatever excuse I was making in my head. But I would use that excuse to not stand up for myself or not enforce my boundaries. And that's honestly, I didn't really grasp that until meeting and marrying Royal and then going into the academy. Because I was always just like, I just want to be nice to everybody. But in so doing, I wasn't nice to myself. I was putting other people's 
feelings and emotions before my own. And then ultimately that did affect my mental health because I was telling, I was inadvertently telling myself that my feelings and my emotions don't matter as much as somebody else's. And so then I was essentially telling myself that I had less value than others, which is hard on your self-esteem, which affects the way you think about yourself, which affects the way you love yourself, the way you perform, everything in your life. So shout out to Royal for teaching me to stand up for myself. Oh, thanks, honey. You're welcome. Um, so mental health obviously is a big part of life. And I feel like self-care is something that really ties into mental health. And I could probably do like several podcast episodes just about my opinion on self-care, but we're just going to touch on it for just a second before we dive into more aspects of health. Um, I feel like there's a trend right now, obviously a trend of self-care. People are all about like, oh, hashtag self-care Sunday, hashtag self-care Saturday and Friday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, which is great. Take time for yourself. But I also feel like self-care has turned into, I'm going to veg and I'm going to have a glass of wine and take a bubble bath and put on a face mask and binge watch 19 episodes of Friends, <laughs> which I do sometimes. But... Um, <laughs> but in a way, I feel like when we view self-care as I'm just going to veg out, that we're using it to ignore what we really actually need. Because sometimes what we really need isn't glamorous. It's not fun. Like sometimes you might really actually need to change your diet or you might actually really need to go to the doctor and get a breast exam, or you might actually really need to call that friend that you left hanging and never resolved it. And you haven't talked to her in like six months. I mean, those are uncomfortable, difficult things, but growth and personal improvement are not meant always meant to be comfortable and easy and fun and glamorous. It's not always supposed to be an Instagram worthy experience. So I just would really encourage you to think about what you really need for yourself and be willing to give that to yourself because your self-care not only is going to affect your mental health, it's going to affect your physical health. It'll affect emotional health. It'll affect your health within your relationships and everything in your life, financial health, whatever kind of health it is that you're struggling with, taking time to really truly turn your thoughts inward and ask your heart of hearts, what is it that I need right now? Like, what is it that I can't get past or I um, am trying to deflect or cover up or whatever it might be? Um, I wrote an Instagram post about this and I feel like I'm sitting here trying to remember exactly what I said, but the best thing is just going to be for me to read it. Okay. Self-care is an extremely important practice in our busy lives filled with stress, expectations, and changes. It is crucial that we give our minds and bodies time to decompress, return to baseline, feel loved and rest. Every day on social media, we see people gramming their self-care practices. 
and might I add, looking flawless in the process. From bath bombs to sheet masks, decadent desserts to extra cardio, Netflix binges to sleeping in extra late, self-care is becoming a picture-worthy trend, which is fine, but I think we might be missing the point. I don't think self-care is always pretty or fun or relaxing. I think it requires vulnerability to look deep into our hearts and ask ourselves what we truly need. When I know I need some time for me, I usually turn to Netflix or nail polish, which can definitely have their place in my self-care practice. But sometimes I turn to them because I'm trying to numb and avoid what I really need. Sometimes self-care needs to get deep and gritty. Maybe the self-care you really need is to quit that job or end that client relationship. Maybe you need to schedule the doctor's appointment, throw away the pack of Oreos, or call and tell that person you're sorry. Maybe you need to reevaluate your relationship or cut back on your work schedule. When what we truly need is something impactful and healing, but we avoid it by numbing out instead, the quote self-care practice we choose is actually doing the exact opposite. It is causing us to disconnect from ourselves and our vulnerability, which in turn causes us to disconnect from those around us. Uh, That was back in June. So long time ago, but I really truly believe it and I I do think that self-care is something that is very very important but self-care should be something that empowers you and brings you closer to who you need to be in order to accomplish your goals Mm -hmm. not just my self-care is an excuse to drink some wine drink wine and cry myself to sleep yeah (laughs) because I've been there I mean I've been there and I don't want you to think that I don't have moments where I'm like, oh, I really just need a bubble bath. Yeah, you're human, man. Yeah, absolutely. So by all means, don't throw away your bath bombs or your sheet masks or whatever else it is, your bottles of wine, but don't use those and as a way to avoid what you really need to handle in your life. Because sometimes it can be hard to adult, as we say, and it, it can we can find distractions that actually that we believe are good for us because they make us feel good in the moment, but they're actually distracting us and impeding our progress and the things that we really do need to be responsible for in our lives. So there's my self-care spiel for the moment. I'm sure you'll hear some of this again, but, um, (laughs) but let's talk about, uh, health and aesthetics. And Royal talked about this a little bit uh, with mental health, that as an esthetician, um, you know, we deal with different people every single day. We deal with clients who oftentimes, most of the time, they're absolutely wonderful, but then sometimes they're difficult. And sometimes we can have really upsetting experiences that can just get under our skin and make us angry. The other day, Royal and I were on, what is it, Lashland 101? (laughs) Or some of the, like, lash Instagrams. The memes? Yeah. Well, the screenshots. The screenshots. Oh, yeah. the conversations. Hilarious. Like, some of these text message conversations that y'all have with your clients. I just, I cannot believe some of the things that people say to each other. Like, it blows my mind. Just the entitlement and everything. And those are things that, unfortunately, we deal with in this industry. And that can be frustrating. Like, I hope that the majority of us can be resilient and let things go that have, you know, nothing to do 
with us, like recognize, hey, that's her problem. That is not a reflection of me or of my talent as an esthetician, but it might be painful for some of us to handle that. Do you have one you want to read? No, no, no. I was trying to find the one that you're specifically being talking about, or oh, you're just meant in general. No, there's a ton that I'm there's, specifically talking about. It's just, it's just some. Some of them are just ridiculous. Oh, do you want to? We'll read this one. All right. So, who do you want to be? I'll be the client. All right, you be the. Okay. So this is literally a screenshot. Hey, girl, would you like a coffee from Starbucks? Smiley face. Hi. Wow. That's so nice. Thank you. Yes, please. I'd love an iced coffee, please. No problem, smiley face. It's 4.49, so you can deduct it from my appointment. Oh, okay. Thanks. See you soon. <laughs> That's savage. It's so sad. It's so sad. I actually... I actually I'm sorry, but people kill me. Oh, man. It's so sad. And I... I was always afraid of that when I had my my spot. And so if a client ever offered to bring me something, I would always say no because I was scared she was going to make me pay her back. And every once in a while, I'd have somebody bring me something anyway. And they'd be like, you know, I'm not going to make you pay me back for this. They're like, oh, thanks. Okay, I'm really hungry. I really wanted this. <laughs> but I was always scared that clients were going to do stuff like that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> so we um, so we want to talk to y'all about obviously like your mental health, as we've mentioned, but also your physical health because in aesthetics, you're sitting for hours and hours and hours, and you're hunched over. And you know, we've talked in the past about how you probably don't always have a lunch break, or you book clients into part of your lunch break, or you don't have a pee break or whatever it is that you need. So I wanted to read some of my notes here and talk about some of the problems with that, with not taking care of yourself. So this is from a blog post that's on the Mayo Clinic. And it says, when you sit, you use less energy than you do when you stand or move. Research has linked sitting for long periods of time with a number of health concerns. They include obesity and a cluster of conditions. Increased blood pressure, high blood sugar, excess body fat around the waist, and abnormal cholesterol levels that make up metabolic syndrome. Too much sitting overall and prolonged periods of sitting also seem to increase the risk of death from cardiovascular disease and cancer. Any extended sitting, such as at a desk, behind a wheel, or in front of a screen, or might I add, at your treatment table, can be harmful. An analysis of 13 studies of sitting time and activity levels found that those who sat for more than eight hours a day with no physical activity had a risk of dying similar to the risks of dying posed by obesity and smoking. However, unlike some other studies, this analysis of data for more than 1 million people found that 60 to 75 minutes of moderately intense physical activity a day countered the effects of too much sitting. Another study found that sitting time contributed little to mortality for people who were more active or most active. So based on this article, increased blood pressure, high blood sugar, excess body fat around the waist, and abnormal cholesterol levels seems to increase the risk of death from cardiovascular disease and cancer, similar to the risks of dying posed by obesity and smoking. Okay, that's great. When I had my studio, I would be, I mean, I'd have clients back to back for 
usually anywhere from six to 12 hours a day, just depending on the day. And that's crazy. That being said, I never worked more than like four days a week. Usually I would only work three days a week. So I would try to stack my clients so that I would have more time off because that's what worked best for me with my balance that I needed in my life. But still sitting for 12 hours a day for three days a week, I mean, that's a lot. That's really hard on your body. And uh, that's something that, I mean, when I was doing that, I didn't schedule breaks. I hardly ever took a lunch. I mean, we've talked about how I wouldn't drink water because then I would have to go to the bathroom. And so (laughs) I was like, I don't have time to pee. I got a lash. (laughs) And I never took care of myself. Um, So here's some, from another article, these are some reasons why, like why sitting can be a problem. Uh, Sitting causes your hip flexors to shorten. Oh, this is from Healthline. Okay. Sitting causes your hip flexors to shorten and your seated position can also hurt your back, particularly if you have bad posture or don't use an ergonomic chair. Also, poor posture while sitting can cause compression on the discs in your spine and can lead to premature degeneration, which results in chronic pain. As with your legs, butt, and lower back, your shoulders and neck will also suffer from prolonged sitting. This is especially true if you're hunched over looking at a computer screen or hunched over looking down at your client's face all day. Absolutely. Yeah. These are big problems, y'all. And they're things that we don't think about when we go into the aesthetics field. We're like, oh, this is so great. I get to interact with clients all day and provide a service and be nurturing and make people look beautiful. And I think the science is so interesting and it's fun. It is fun. And you do get all those things. And so I don't want you to ever think that I'm trying to say that you shouldn't be an esthetician or that it isn't a wonderful career path. But I am saying that you need to be responsible and be aware of some of the problems that exist through this career path. But by being aware of them, you then have knowledge, like you have that awareness which can allow you to counter it. You can educate yourself or listen to us as we try to help educate you so that you can know how you can avoid some of these common issues that so many estheticians experience. Like I would sit on the aesthetics forums when I was a lash artist, you know, looking for lash tips and everything. And people would just talk all the time about how their bodies just ached, their hands ached, their necks, their backs. And I experienced that to some extent. It was like way worse after my injury. And I I haven't done any research on this, but I'm wondering if, my injuries in my car accident wouldn't have been as severe if I had had stronger muscles in my core and my neck and my back. What do you think? Do you think that that would have made a difference at all? I think having stronger muscles in general help overall. I mean, it's it's stories of people getting shot and the only reason they live is because their muscles were so good and so strong because they worked out constantly almost every day. That's true. And like, unless it would have ripped right through. Yeah. And I, I mean, I really, I will look and do some research on that. Uh, don't take my word for it at this point, but that's something that I've been thinking about so much. Like my muscles were so weak when I was working as an esthetician all the time. I wasn't working out even on my days off. I was just sitting with my head bent over for, you know, three to four days a week. And, um, and then on my time off, I watched a lot of SVU. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, so what I'm saying is that I wasn't doing anything to strengthen my core muscles, my neck, my back, my shoulders. And those were what got incredibly injured in my car accident. And I just can't help but wonder if I had taken better care of myself, if I had made a point to exercise those muscles because those are the ones that were being, I mean, essentially abused through my career as an esthetician, like maybe my car injury, my car accident wouldn't have caused me such horrific injury, or at least it wouldn't have taken me so long to recover because it was kind of like, you know, I'm starting, I was starting from complete zero regardless. Like, you know how, for example, when I started working out and I had my pull-ups and then, um, when I got in the accident last November and then I lost my pull-ups and I, thought I was never going to get them back. And then one day you were like, why don't you just try it? This was like months after I'd ever done one. He's like, why don't you just try? Cause I was all depressed and I still had one. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could do that. But it was because my muscles weren't starting from zero. They were starting. I mean, they'd already had a strong foundation before the injury. So anyway, that's just a thought and we'll have to, I'll have to do research on no, that. I mean, I wouldn't even say it's a thought. I say it's kind of more of a fact because it, for example, Mm-hmm. When you get into a car accident or whenever, no, forget it. When you just break your leg or whatever and you're older, a.k.a. weaker, mm-hmm. like they always say, yeah, you're not 20 anymore. Yeah. I'm saying you're not 30 anymore. I go, yeah, it's because when you were 20 and 30, you were strong. And you were you, moving. You were, moving. Mm-hmm. you were healthy, mm-hmm. you know, healthier, if anything. And, um, yeah, your muscles were different. Yeah. So I think for sure if, if – like, if the first, first accident you were in, by the way, she was in a lot of accidents. Thank you, California. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think it wouldn't have been as bad because yeah. you had so much protecting you. Yeah. All this strength, all this muscle gain. And even as an esthetician, um, if you did back exercises and worked out and had a strong core, strong mm-hmm. back, I don't think it would have been as damaging it still would have hurt you right I think in the long run just leaning over doing eyelashes for hours and hours mm-hmm. but i think you being strong and having a strong core and stomach mm-hmm. and back that would have played a huge role in um in your health as far as being sore or sore and yeah yeah absolutely so i found this other article it's on a website called startstanding.org which it's actually really cool. And it this uh, blog post is by Dr. RJ Barr. And so he gives six, um, six reasons why sitting all day is bad for you. And I feel like pretty much all of these are very, very applicable to estheticians. So I'm just going to read this really fast. Number one, you're looking down at your screen, phone, or desk, and your head tips forward. So pause. That's exactly what we experience as estheticians, right? We're sitting, whether we're doing a facial or lash extensions or waxing or um, microneedling, whatever it is, we're sitting or standing, usually sitting, and our client is laying on the table and we're looking straight down at them. So our necks are turned or like bent forward and our heads are like hanging down a little bit toward our clients, right? He says, the human head weighs on average 10 pounds. Any slight angle forward puts a strain on the muscles of your neck and upper back. The further that you lean your head forward and how long you keep that straining posture determines how much extra work your neck and upper back need to do. 
Two, your shoulders are rolled forward. This is something that I know a ton of estheticians experience. I definitely experience it and I still have problems with it. But he says, some of the most common causes of lower back pain are a lack of lumbar support from a chair that's too soft or one that doesn't encourage good posture, a muscular imbalance in which your pectoral muscles, your chest, are stronger than your back, common in men who like to work out their beach muscles more than their back, or caused by habit. If you're wondering if you're guilty of this, stand with your feet shoulder width apart and let your arms hang down at your sides. If your thumb points forward, you're probably balanced. If your palms are pointing behind you, you probably have an imbalance. So I tried this and my palms definitely hang or like point backward instead of my thumbs like pointing forward. So I don't know if that's 100% the most accurate way to tell, but I do know that I have a problem with my like chest being um, like rolled forward, my shoulders being rolled forward and not being able to open up my chest well, like I need to. But again, something that probably a lot of y'all practicing estheticians can relate to. Number three, you're leaning forward from your lower back. This posture puts even more pressure on the vertebrae of your lower spine lumbar area as it compresses your discs. Four, your elbows are too far away from your body. The rule in lifting anything is that the more the object weighs and the further your elbows are away from your torso, the more strain you put on your shoulders and upper back. Reaching your arms forward to type or write might not seem like much, but doing it eight or more hours per day will take its toll. So one thing with that is that depending on the treatment you're doing, if you don't need a ton of space, um, I don't know, just like to put stuff on the table or whatever, try to position your client so that they're closer to you so that you're not having to reach your arms so far away from you to be able to work on their skin, but trying to have them so that they're right underneath you so you can keep your elbows kind of tucked in and closer to you. That puts less strain on, like he said, your shoulder and your, your shoulders and your upper back. Number five, you hold your phone to your ear. Many people multitask and talk on the phone while their hands are doing other things, wedging the phone between their shoulder and ear. Doing this for a few seconds isn't going to cause an imbalance in your body, but anything more than that will cause tension on one side of your neck and upper back. So make sure you have your earbuds or Apple pods. What are they called? Yeah, Apple pods for you young kids out there. Your AirPods. Is that even what they're called? Yeah. Wait, I don't got them. It's AirPods. I don't, I don't know what AirPods. they're called. But the, the floaty ones are hands-free. Hands-free. Okay. <laughs> Don't stick your phone in between your head and your shoulder. Because first of all, then you get your like donkey phone on your face. And as Estes, we know how bad that is. But also you're going to mess up your neck and your shoulders and upper back and stuff. Okay. Number six, you sit for too long. Dr. Joan Vernikos, former director of NASA's Life Sciences Division and author of Sitting Kills, Moving Heels, explains, we weren't designed to sit. The body is a perpetual motion machine. When you're sedentary, your muscles get less oxygen and nutrients from your blood. Uh, so he ends by saying, the rule of thumb is to frequently change postural positions and take movement micro breaks for every 30 minutes of sitting throughout the workday. A helpful strategy is to drink lots of water. It keeps you hydrated, which is healthy, and it forces you to get up and move in order to use the bathroom. So... That's something that I definitely didn't do. Yeah, I'll but it, you didn't do that. It would have helped me for sure. Because just think about it. If you just make sure that between every client, 
you have time to just stand up and stretch. Or if your clients, if you're waiting for a client, don't use that time to sit down. Even if you want to just scroll through your phone, stand up and scroll through your phone or pace back and forth in your treatment room or whatever it is. Like do something to get you moving. I've talked about how I had a, uh, what do I call it? I did a trade with one of my clients who was a personal trainer and yoga instructor, and she would come in and we'd move my table out of the way, just push it out of the way and do stretches and things like that. I mean, it's so important to be responsible for your body and schedule in the time to move. You've got to be moving, y'all. It's so important for you. You don't want back problems. Royal has a back injury right now that is like potentially going to be detrimental to his career. And we just, we cannot stress enough how important it is to take care of your body. Take care of your back, take care of your neck, take care of your head, for sure. Do you have anything you want to add to that? No, I think you hit it on the head. Okay, so one more <laughs> one more thing. Um, I want to talk about going to the bathroom. Because as estheticians, I mean, I remember holding it for as long as I possibly could. I mean, holding it forever and ever and ever because I was in the middle of a treatment or um, when I got done with the treatment, the client was already there waiting or, you know, whatever it might be. And um, that's really bad for you. So I do want to read another little article that I found. It was on a blog, like a website that I can't pronounce, Geisinger. G-E-I-S-I-N-G-E-R dot org. Geisinger? I don't know. But this was written by Dr. Susan A. Warner. And she's talking about letting stuff go. So this one, she talks about urine. While you can sneeze anywhere you want, it's not so easy when you have to urinate. Holding your urine is sometimes necessary. But if you find yourself doing a dance, it's time to make a pit stop. I have that problem a lot. I just, here's my thing. Whenever I have to go to the bathroom, I'm always doing something so much more important to me. Like, I... <laughs> there was you start this, dancing, I'm like, you got to use it, don't you? No, no. I'll tell you all this story. There was one time when I was a kid, I was definitely old enough to not be peeing my pants. But I was like, I don't know, probably seven or eight. And I was sitting at my mom's dining table and I was coloring. Coloring, coloring, coloring. And then I had to pee. And my mom was in the kitchen, which she could see the dining table. And uh, she was cooking dinner and she looks over and she's like, Melissa, are you doing the potty dance? I'm like, no, but I was like jumping all over my chair while I was trying to sit there trying to color because I loved coloring. I'm like the kid in that meme. You know the one? Oh, yeah. Like, the like aggressive face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so my mom was like, Melissa, go to the bathroom. And I'm like, no, mom, I'm going to go. Hold on. Don't worry. Hold on. I got to color. I got to color. And she's like, Melissa go to the bathroom. I wouldn't go. And then I ended up peeing my pants on her dining chair and I got in huge, huge trouble. But that is literally how I've looked at going to the bathroom my whole life because I just, <laughs> I'm doing something so much more important. And I would have that mindset when I was working on my clients, like, no, I'm not going to go to the bathroom. I'm making money. I'm building my empire. I'm growing my business. I, I don't have time to go to the bathroom. You don't, you don't got time to potty. Seriously. That's... Okay. So let me get back to this article. <laughs> Susan continues, Dr. Dr. Susan continues to say, as liquid waste builds up in your body, you get the urge to urinate. 
It's not harmful to hold it for a few minutes until you get to the bathroom, but if you wait for too long, the effects can be unpleasant and even dangerous. Holding your urine for too long can weaken the bladder muscles over time. This can lead to problems such as incontinence, which is not being able to hold it and peeing yourself, and not being able to fully empty your bladder. Holding your urine for extremely long periods of time can also cause urinary tract infections due to bacterial buildup. In addition, it can increase your risk of kidney disease and in rare cases, even risk your bladder bursting, wow. a condition that can be deadly. Because you didn't use the bathroom. Yeah. Wow. I mean, having your bladder burst seems pretty bad, but have y'all had a UTI? That is, that's awful. And having a UTI I'm and being sorry, it's worse than your bladder bursting. I know, I know. Dying is worse. But like... <laughs> But I hear you. I, I wouldn't know, but I can imagine. Like, no. I mean, if any of y'all essays have had a UTI and then been fully booked with clients, oh my gosh, it's horrible. Like the worst experience ever. Um, okay. And then I do want to talk about bowel movements. She continues to say, um, there are plenty of reasons. There are plenty of reasons to hold back a bowel movement. For most people, it's not just a matter of finding a bathroom. It's about finding the right bathroom and some peace and quiet. As a result, some people may hold their bowel movements for too long. Don't hold back your bowel movements, said Dr. Warner. The longer you wait, the more water your body removes from the waste. Eventually, this can lead to constipation and impactions, which may require laxatives or even surgery to remove. So I had no idea that by holding your poop for too long, that it would dehydrate it and make you constipated. Me either. But all I know, one thing we can all relate is, is when we got to use the bathroom... And you get the closer you get to a toilet, the worse it gets. I know, it's, true. <laughs> it's true. And then I, I always, I was thinking about like, oh, I don't know if you're I don't know if you're And I get in there and then I'm trying to put the little cover over the seat and it keeps falling in. And then oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pee. At an establishment. Yeah, and I can't. Or the other one. Oh, pooping. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's not, regardless, That's the worst. That's the worst. That's the worst. Anyway. But. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Common guys, problems we all experience. You guys can relate. So I read this and I'm like, oh my gosh, think about how unhealthy I was. I was refusing to go to the bathroom. I was refusing to drink water because it would make me have to go to the bathroom. And then by not going to the bathroom, I was constipating my poop because I was already dehydrated, but then I was making myself even, my poop even more dehydrated because I wasn't, because I'm holding it. Like what in the world? Uh, so it's probably about time to start wrapping this episode up. <laughs> Because we talked about pee and poop and self-care and mental Think, health. Things that matter. Yeah. Things that matter. But these really are. It's so true, Royal. Like, these are things that truly matter. And I have talked to estheticians who are like, yeah, I was an esthetician for a long time and I loved it. But then I had to quit because it was making me physically sick. Like, breathing in all the fumes from the lash adhesive because when I was trained, I wasn't taught to wear a filtration mask what? or yeah, it's really sad. Or like my body just couldn't handle it. I was so exhausted all the time, constantly, you know, having to do massage with my facials and everything like that. It was just too hard on me physically. Like I remember when I was at the laser center, when I was at the laser center, I was doing a treatment from Alma, which was an excellent treatment. It was the, no, I can't remember what it's called. I'll, I'll figure out what it's called and link it in the notes. But, um, it's the one where you get rid of the, uh, like the cellulite essentially it's the skin tightening one. 
And it killed me to have to do it. And I was the only esthetician who, who would be working. The rest of the time, there would be nurses on staff. And they would be booked with the things like the Botox and everything like that. And so if somebody came in wanting skin tightening, I had to do it. And it was so hard on my body because you'd have to hold this handpiece perfectly perpendicular to their skin or else if you moved it, then they it would arc and you'd get like the client would essentially get a shock and it could be really, really painful. And I was so big on making sure that my clients had a positive experience that they wouldn't get hurt. And so not only was I the only one that they would usually book for these treatments because the nurses would be booked with other things that I couldn't do within my scope of practice, then the clients would come in and be like, oh my gosh, Melissa's the only person that I want to do the accent, the Alma accent. That's what it was. Gotcha. Then I was like constantly being booked with, um, what is it? Were they requests? to do this. And I literally got so sick one day after doing back-to-back -back accents that my boss had to send me home because I was blacking out. Like it was so hard on my body to be moving this handpiece and keeping it going. Like I know that a lot of y'all can probably relate to experiences like that because this industry is wonderful, but the treatments can be so hard on us physically as the treatment providers. So Basically, we want this to be a place where we can, like I already said, not only bring awareness to some of the potential issues, but also give y'all ideas and resources so that you can prevent these problems and make healthy choices with your time and within your life and for your business. So we have some awesome people scheduled to come on to talk about like nutrition and yoga and different things to be able to help y'all have the resources that you need to stay healthy because we love y'all and we want you to be able to be estheticians for as long as you desire. So that's what part of what Spa Strong is about is keeping you doing what you love for as long as you want to do it. Absolutely. So thank you guys for listening to this episode about health. Yay. And poop. And poop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we appreciate you guys. The next episode, we'll be talking about safety, which is my jam. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Thank you, guys. And we'll talk to you soon. Well, you know what? Or you'll hear from us soon. I like that one better. We'll hear from y'all soon. You'll hear no, from us soon. Melissa, now you ruined it. I'm sorry. I had a good thing going. All right. See you guys later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.